0: Welcome to the Geek Saga podcast series Hot D Takes, covering HBO's House of the Dragon episode by episode. i'm tara lynn of geek saga entertainment and welcome to hot d takes this podcast series covers hbo's house of the dragon episode by episode with myself an avid reader of all things aswaf and my friend manny a game of thrones fan who is unsullied aka has never read the books being your stalwart hosts so first things first you can find me on facebook instagram tiktok and twitter at a geek saga.
1: And I'm Manny, the aforementioned Unsullied co-host. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Benissimo Art. Thanks for joining our fourth episode, which will cover episode four, House of the Dragon, King of the Narrow Sea.
0: As a reminder, expect spoilers from the episode we're covering, but less obvious, there will be very minimal book spoilers from Fire and Blood, which of course is the source material for House of the Dragon. We'll start with an episode summary, then cover what we think are the main hot takes from the episode, and conclude with an episode-specific favorites roundup.
1: We also have a rating system that we will, like true Targaryens, fill in when and where we please, and that system includes rating things on a scale of 1 to 10
0: Targ eyebrows. Last but not least, each week we're joined by a special guest. This week it's Seth, a fellow ASWAF lover and somewhat regular guest on Geek Saga Entertainment's genre lit webcast and podcast, Sagas and Sass. Seth, where can everyone find you on social media? Uh,
2: well, if you really want to, you can find me at uh, Jack Dugan on Twitter. I think you can also search, um, what is it, Dark Lord of the Seth? I forget which, which one of those two names works, but you can find me at one of them. Uh, you can also find. Pages for my extraordinarily unsuccessful podcasts on Facebook. Uh, And in a shameless plug, those are Arrow, Chapter and Verse, How I Spent My Allowance and Flailing Through First, if you like really nerdy topics. And you do. I mean, why else are you here?
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, we're super excited to have you join us. Now, just one last piece of business before we dig in. Don't forget that Geek Saga Entertainment now has a Patreon. With 10 tiers ranging from $1 a month to $40 a month, it offers tons of ways to support us and receive some great perks in return. In fact, we recently updated some of our tiers to include new perks for our $3 per month guard tier and for all tiers from $5 a month and up, including early access to these hot deep podcast episodes. You can check it out at Patreon.com slash GeekSaga underscore entertainment.
1: And now it's time for The Long and Short of It, our weekly episode summary.
2: Imagine this. There's a live version of Tinder in which the prospects who pop up on your screen have to listen to you and your friends heckling them prior to your swiping left on every single one of them. That, folks, is the picture put in our heads at the beginning of King of the Narrow Sea, with Rihanna rejecting first an old man and then a child who are offering themselves up in marriage. However, in true Westerosi fashion, this matchmaking ceremony ends in death when a snarky young bracken gets a sword through his belly, courtesy of an even younger Blackwood. Frustrated with this parade of suitors that she didn't want to begin with, Rihanna decides to end her little Tinder tour early and sail back to King's Landing on a boat that is half-awesome, hello, dragon figurehead, and half taking a page from our much-scorned mobile igloo. We don't even blame the windy boy for sideswiping the ship. He probably hates that thing too, right? Anyway, so, Damon is back in King's Landing with a sharp new haircut and a crown of his own, which his men placed on his head after he basically single-handedly defeated the crab feeder. However, Despite his initial swagger, Damon kneels before Viserys and offers the crown up to his brother, and then it's all hugs and fun, um, sort of. There's a lot of Viserys, possibly slash probably drunk, going on about uncomfortable subjects and being rude to Alicent, Damon looking like he doesn't want to be there at all, Raenra and Alicent having an awkward but also kind of sweet conversation, and then finally Raenra gets the moment alone with her uncle that she's obviously been waiting for. And they have a nice little chat about marriage and what it means for men versus women, because that's totes the thing you talk to your uncle about, right? And hey, this particular uncle-niece dynamic only gets worse. Ranra later finds a bag of men's clothing and a drawing of a secret passageway hidden in her bedroom. And after changing into the clothes and following said passage, it's Unky Damon at the end. He leads her on a tour of the city where they soon stumble upon a play that portrays the question of succession with the small folk booing Ranra and cheering for her little brother. Damon reminds Ranra to be cautious as the succession is not truly set in stone and then he acts with the exact opposite of caution by taking her to a brothel and explaining that sex can be pleasurable for men and women if they, like, mm, throw caution to the wind, let their inhibitions down, and, oh, hey, uh, then David and Manmar are kissing and addressing, and you want to look away, but also kind of can and then, oh, thank God, David pulls away and dashes off.
1: But this leaves Rhaenyra all hot and bothered, so although she can't find her uncle and returns to the Red Keep, she then asserts herself with Sir Cole of House Slaw, and they have what seems to be sweet, passionate, great sex. And oh noes, her maidenhead. She could be ruined. Considerations aside, good for her. While all that was going on, Allison was caring for her ailing husband. You know, the king. Because the Iron Throne is still very bitey on him all the time. <laughs> and then suffering through sex with him and his gross, sore-covered body which means she happens to be around when good old Otto comes by to talk smack about Rhaenyra. You see, Damon's former possible wife, Misaria, is now an informant for Otto, and one of her little messenger birds witnessed Damon and Rhaenyra's tryst the night before. And as Otto will clearly do just about anything to see Rhaenyra replaced by his grandson in the line of succession, he approaches Viserys with the news that the princess is essentially ruined. Props to Viserys for not just believing him outright, and honestly props to Alicent, too, who arranges a meeting with Rhaenyra to confront her about these accusations. Rhaenyra denies the worst parts while admitting that she was out and about with her uncle at the taverns and brothels. While Alicent chides Rhaenyra for putting herself in such a situation... She does not seem to believe her best stepchild friend. Unfortunately, Damon is not so coy when he is dragged in front of Viserys. He does not deny having sex with Rhaenyra and even says that they should be wed. At which point Viserys has to remind Damon yet again that he already has a wife and like, for fuck's sakes, dude, stop Stop. gathering up new wives and go back to the one you already have.
0: However... Alicent still believes Rhaenyra is innocent and encourages Viserys to talk to his daughter, which he does. This time, he shows her the inscription on the dagger that he's been carrying around, Aegon the Conqueror's dagger, that is, which is apparently only revealed by fire you know, Lord of the Rings style, and he rehashes the whole Prince That Was Promised Song of Ice and Fire prophecy. Viserys does this to remind Rhaenyra of her duty just before informing her that she'll be wed to Laenor Valerian. This is basically a band-aid on the ouchie Viserys himself caused when he chose Alicent over Lena who is now in talks to wed the son of the Sea Lord of Braavos. And while Rhaenyra doesn't want Laenor any more than any of the other suitors that have been thrown at her, this time, Papa is done giving her a choice. Now, Ornira does agree to do her duty as heir and marry Lenor, but only if Viserys does his duty first. She wants him to oust good old Otto from his position as Hand of the King. And boy, does Viserys follow through on that. Oh, and you know who else comes through? Grand Melos Mellos with the special tea Viserys told him to make, because of course they have to make sure Rhaenyra doesn't pop out another little Targaryen well before she's wedded and officially bedded. So sip that hot moon tea as we dive into hot take number one, Blackwood versus Bracken. Ha! So Manny, because you haven't read the Aeswath books, the, the original five, so there's no spoilers here for Fire and Blood. But the show didn't really portray the Blackwood versus Bracken feud the way the books do. And no arguments there. I get it. It's one of those little things they didn't have time for. But these are two Riverlands houses. They are both very important and they hate each other. And it goes back and back and back and back and back. I mean, it goes back to before this series is even happening and things continue to happen throughout the history, apparently during this and also after this, that just continue like egging on that feud. So it was really hilarious to me that this featured, albeit a short little snippet of this snarky little bracken boy, making fun of the little, like literal little kid who is proposing marriage to Rhaenyra. He was being kind of funny and and Rhaenyra was like, Oh, I kind of like that kid. But because of what we know of the Brackens, like they're usually the assholes and the, the ones who are instigating bullshit. It was also like, Oh no, Renier, I don't like him. <laughs> and then like I don't even know how it escalated because it kind of happened off screen, but it escalated and the the tiny little blackwood boy just like swords the guy. I was about to say knights the guy, but that's not how he swords the guy through the stomach.
2: Yeah. Like the uh I, I because you you see the Blackwood kid draw his sword mm-hmm. and that's when Rhaenyra and excuse me, I was pronouncing her name incorrectly when I was reading through the summary. But Rhaenyra is like, peace out, deuces, everyone. And yep. she starts to walk away and then she stops for a second and looks behind her because somebody cries out. And that's when basically you see the Blackwood kid finishing the cut through the Bracken kid's stomach. Uh, and I'm like, Bracken kid, you are you are twice as big as the Blackwood boy. And I know you only have a dagger and he's got a sword. But man, that's uh, says something about the martial training over at the Blackwood house. I guess. I, it... It.
1: I, uh, I totally loved it that he that he fucking sworded that guy. You yeah. Know? I mean, you know, you fuck around and you find out, I guess. Right. <laughs> you know? I was
2: into I, it. I have to say that I was also into Rhaenyra's was my grandmother as beautiful as men say oh that was 50 years ago your grace yes (laughs) yes it was (laughs)
1: yeah this
0: guy is older than my father (laughs) yeah and i know that's like part of the same scene it's a different it's a different thing but yeah i mean really the whole marriage proposal scene was just cringe right yeah but i did love because i was thinking back this brief period of time when one of my friends was on tinder and we used to sit on my couch and she would go through the people tinder was suggesting to her and we would make very snarky comments (laughs) about them and all i could think was like that's because renee is doing it out loud in front of everybody and i'm just like oh I had to put that into the summary because I really can't imagine what what these guys would have thought if they had heard my friend and I talking shit about them.
2: <laughs> uh, I can I can almost I can almost with one hundred percent certainty say that that is that is happening to one of the two profiles I have out there right now. Pretty sure. Yeah. I can no I can yeah. feel it. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> you can you,
0: can, you can feel it through the force. <laughs> I can (laughs) well anyway for people who have not read the books that's our little Bracken v Blackwood mention because as much as happened in this episode when I was coming up with these hot takes I cut a bunch I actually have an honorable mention for one at the end it took a lot to narrow it down to just seven official ones but I was like I'm not cutting this out because for book readers especially having that little Bracken versus Blackwood feud tipping of the hat was great it was great so hot take number two, I was getting some really Edna Pontellier vibes from Ranira in this episode. For anybody who doesn't know who Edna Pontellier is, she is the main character in Kate Chopin's 1899 novel, The Awakening, which is literally about a woman who feels trapped and suffocated in... That book it was in her marriage and decides to find excitement and connection in a physically intimate relationship and granted in that case it's with another man outside of her marriage but the awakening is all about gender bias it's specifically female marital infidelity but we get a lot of that in this episode Also, obviously, because, oh no, Rhaenyra might have surrendered her maidenhead. And it's about female sexual fulfillment and a woman letting go of her inhibitions. So I wanted to draw that connection because for me, I was seeing... Rhaenyra feeling trapped and suffocated as the princess who is being forced to consider all of these crappy marriages that we just mentioned. And then she goes on an exciting adventure with her uncle, which, okay, gross. And then he (laughs) abandons her, but instead of just giving up and going to bed, she asserts herself with Sir Cole of House Slaw and uh, definitely enjoys it. So I wanted to make that connection between the Awakening and Rhaenyra's whole storyline in this episode, and also hear y'all's thoughts on not necessarily that connection but just everything that happened with Rhaenyra as a whole because man she owned her shit in this episode for the most part I loved it
2: yeah she did yeah very much in charge of of even when she was on the back foot she like took control we'll talk about it later but the Allison conversation she ended up being in control of that which I thought was I guess I'm like it's it's one of those things where it's like but things could have been perhaps happier if somebody had had a brainstorm at this point and said, "But wait, what about Dorn? Can we not bring Dorn into the kingdom perhaps by marrying Rhaenyra off to some Dornish prince because we all know how loose things down are doing. it's <laughs> it's 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 a whole it's a whole other story down there. and I think I think might have liked it if she'd if she'd gotten a chance. but you know,
0: I mean, they certainly tend to be more open-minded than yeah. Yep. most houses really Rhaenyra still she wanted to be able to choose her yeah. own way and yeah. Yeah. that is what it is but I mean it it
2: also just like the sexism and misogyny sucks all the way around and I, I will say this for Viserys he has the courtesy to agree with it, even if he's angry. He acknowledges that things are worse for women. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I want to know what was in that whatever it was that Rhaenyra was drinking when she was down in Fleabottom, because that, uh, that certainly had an effect on the rest of the evening. It seemed.
1: <laughs> it certainly did. <clears throat> I thought they did a really good job in like you know, really kind of portraying you know or or, or conveying the message of like. How trapped, you know, she yeah. was, you know, she has to get married, she has to like, do this, you know, and like, yeah, she gets to pick her own husband, I guess, you know, but she still has to get married, you know, like, it's not like she has an option of like, Oh, no, you know, I totally can't. So getting to see her kind of break free, even though it was with, you know, her uncle, but it was kind of cool and rewarding to like, see that, especially when he just kind of bailed, and she just kind of kept going it was like, I'm I'm gonna keep partying, I'm gonna keep doing stuff I Thought they did a really, really good job with that. It was awesome.
2: I did two couple of things well uh, except i i do think that it was like let's go into this brothel also let's reveal our family's defining hair color before we go into this brothel and then Renira's like damon and i'm like shut up yeah <laughs>
0: when she said his name i was just like like you what are you, no! right you, you doing what are you
2: doing i guess i do want to give damon like i guess five out of ten eyebrows because he initiated that but then he had the sense to at least in that scene pull back
0: oh i i have to disagree there
2: okay i have a theory we go into that a little bit later but i'm also like oh so we get mushroom salacious gossip sort of confirmed ish did he lead her through the arts of debauchery well kind of not really sort of open the door and then left Tara what's your take on the Damon thing
0: so my take on the Damon thing was different I didn't feel like he backed off or ran away because of the proper reasons to me it looked like Vranira was taking control of the situation and all of a sudden he was like "Mm, do not want he wanted to be the one in control so as soon as she asserted herself It was like, nah. Honestly, I think it really is up to anyone's own personal translation. I did watch the after the show thing. I don't remember them saying anything specific about that. Just knowing him as a character, that was the way I perceived it. Mm -hmm. So in that case, it's like I give it like three out of ten Targ eyebrows because he did back away and go away. Thank God. But also, I'm not really sure it was for the proper reason. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, if I may advance my theory, which is based on very little. So you remember in the first episode in the brothel where we get to see uh, get is a strong word. We see Damon having sex with um, Missaria, and he just sort of stops. And looks a little disappointed. I think Damon might be having some problems. Damon needs a little Viagra in his life. It was just be- because, just because of the amount of emphasis they put on sex scenes to have that be his reaction like not even an it wasn't even an i'm done face it was just kind of a oh, fine and then he stopped and i'm like eh, i don't know it's possible like he just
1: it's, it's like he just gave up like he's had this issue before and he's like yeah. oh okay one of these nights i'm done yeah
0: little bit of impotence in your life (laughs) (laughs) and all that said just to kind of go back to Rhaenyra asserting herself and taking what she wanted and everything honestly 10 out of 10 Targaryen eyebrows for her not necessarily the daemon thing but for her going back and being like nah, man, I'm still hot for something. And her and Kristen have obviously had that connection and everything previously. They're friends, and I would assume – That there is attraction there on both their parts because they both willingly, while Kristen did back off a little bit at first, I think that was more my vows than him not actually wanting her. And because this has already happened now, it is very different from the two sides of the story that we get in Fire and Blood, which we get one side of the story where... Rhaenyra comes on to Kristen and he rejects her. And then the other side of the story is Kristen wants Rhaenyra and she rejects him. So I was figuring they would change that up, that they would show us something concrete. And I'm glad they did. And I'm glad that they showed it the way they did, because I think that will mean a lot for future relationships. And I don't want to say too much else because I don't you know, want to spoil things that happen in the future, but I I'm hoping that they take what happened in this episode and do a good job portraying how it changes both of like both Kristen and Rainier's futures going forward.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we'll see, especially after the big jump. Yeah, yeah. is this enough to make uh, Sir Cole of House Slaw spicy? <laughs> is he is he spicy Cole of House Slaw now? Is that no? Yeah,
0: okay. I, I think so. He's spicy throw, Slaw. He's spicy. Throw some
2: jalapenos in there. Oh yeah.
0: They they uh they mixed him up on that Carolina barbecue, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Hot take number three, the white worm, aka Masaria, is the new mm, old question mark. Varys discuss. I, I mean, and really like the TLDR is she's worked her way up in the world the same way Varys did him from a slave eunuch to the spider or official master of whispers, her from a slave sex worker to the white worm slash unofficial mistress of whispers at least two slash four good old auto so even though it was a super brief scene that she particularly was in i would love to hear y'all's thoughts on her becoming the white worm and more than just you know damon's unofficial consort
2: um uh well okay first of all i i like her in this context especially with her The things we've seen from her brief appearance uh, appearances appearances in the other episodes where she's asserting that basically she wants to be free like she doesn't she doesn't particularly want to marry Damon (laughs) like she doesn't even really like being with him she she says that she's there because he bought her at one point. Um, so i'm glad she's she's working her way up i'm glad she's making something of herself i want to see more of her i am more interested in her character than i am i think a couple of other like fine damon he's dynamic and everything but we know this character we know this type i'm more interested in my story and what her motivations are and what what she's doing. So I hope we get to see more of her as, as time goes on.
1: Yeah. She's definitely kind of like the mystery, you know, and I, and that really pulls me in with with her character. I definitely want to see more of her and what her motivations are and stuff.
0: Um, I just hope they do a better job of it than they did with Varys where they just basically laid all of his plans out. He was like, hey, Tyrion, want to hear my whole backstory and what yeah. I'm actually trying to accomplish? <laughs> you know, like I miss Varys as the shadow character he was in the novels and Missaria is also... Very much that sort of shadow character in Fire and Blood. And I'm hoping that as they flesh her out, they continue to pay homage to her air of mystery. Give us more of her story and show us what she's up to, etc. Without ruining that air of mystery that she has.
2: Like Varys gets the nickname the spider, which is kind of cool. Like kind of cool and kind of creepy. You don't like spiders, but sometimes they could be dangerous. And Masaria gets the white worm. Oh, worms are yucky. Worms are. Not... It's just like okay, sure, whatever you want.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they could have changed like her nickname. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. It <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like somebody. You know what? They're both creepy crawlers. That's I feel true. like I, I could make both of them in my 1990s creepy crawlers oven so you could (laughs) it's
2: just like I feel it would like be better if somebody said something too on point but believable like somebody's like she's the worm in the apple of the red keep or something like that maybe I'm hoping for too much but that's that's my lukewarm take
1: I kind of saw this one coming you know like I knew that she wasn't just gonna be just okay whatever like I I don't know I think that that this one was a little more predictable in my eyes so I kind of knew where they were going with it and this just confirmed it for me so I'm like okay great but it makes me happy to see because I'm like, okay, great. You know, like I'm, I'm into the character. I'm into the, into the shadow shadowiness of it. So
2: I'm definitely, uh, I'm feeling it. I'm ready for that. I
0: just wish she wasn't feeding information to good Otto of all people.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's because right now, apparently, uh, the Whisper's position is under the hand in the flow chart of King's Landing <laughs> Authority. And later, it's going to be moved to its own executive position. And right now, we gotta, we just got to hold off on that, I guess. I also just want to say that I think Damon was at that mess. She's like, here's a hangover cure. He's like, I don't need no cures from nobody. Splash. OK, good for you, Damon. Yeah good for you
0: probably should have just drank that yeah yeah maybe it would have made you feel better so that you weren't like literally collapsed on the floor of the throne room later but we'll talk about that in a bit we will first we gotta get to hot take number four which it's a very smooth transition here because hey there red keepers good old auto here the one and only hand of the king and keeper of trusted sources of information. As you know, Big D is back in town, and it turns out that the idea of every little girl wanting adventure even extends to our dragon-riding princess. She was spotted with Big D last night, and as I know you're going to make me say it, they were in a pleasure house coupling. Talk about behaviors unbecoming of a maiden, even or especially a royal one. You know you love me xoxo good old gossip Otto. i'm sorry <laughs> i'm not sorry <laughs> no.
2: no that was great Otto is like if somebody's going to be called the white worm it should be him because he is leaving a trail of slime thicker than the one jason lannister leaves wherever he goes oh yeah i, mean, I realized plug, then <laughs> i realized this is an episode ago but it would not have surprised me in for about half a second before Otto proposed Aegon. <laughs> as a possible marriage i, I thought he was going to say himself i really thought he was going to say himself
0: that would be overreaching
2: it it would be overreaching but you know <laughs> the series is a people pleaser and otto's kind of had him under his finger for or under his thumb for a while so uh
0: yeah yeah,
2: yeah. yep
0: yep and good old otto was like i considered saying nothing
1: Yeah, yeah. right. right.
0: There was that kind of shot on his face where he was looking up at the camera, like with this just kind of uh, what should I do look on his face. But to me, I took that as he's just considering whether to spread the news everywhere or simply bring it to Viserys directly. Yeah,
2: like I I think he might have thought, should I say nothing now and maybe just bust it out during a small council meeting? No no I'm going to tell the king and it's also like dude you come in there with this like Victorian false modesty of oh uh, no I can't I can't oh I can't possibly say what they would do they would it was unbecoming (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, come on man just come in and be like (laughs) uh sire i hate to tell you this but uh, there's a rumor that your daughter and damon were having sex last night so maybe you want to do something about that
1: yeah it's all about that delivery man and the way he delivered that i i already i would have been like dude what you know yeah just Ugh. just i was, saying, didn't just thought kind of about was... not saying anything yeah. but yeah right
0: it's like when your friend is bringing you a choice bit of gossip, but it's definitely tainted, you know, either the source is tainted or it's tainted with their own opinion of it. And they're like, Oh, but I don't know if I should tell you this. Like, and and then they kind of reveal it and they're like, well, I can't tell you my source. It's like every single part of this is like red flag, red alarm. No, don't trust it.
2: Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I know this is, again, skipping ahead a little bit, but we already know, uh, thanks to the summary, that Viserys is going to can Otto at the end of the episode. But that part where he's like, you have served two kings loyally. It's like, well, have you? Yeah. Yeah. Like what? What else have we not seen that Otto has done to weaken the crown in favor of himself?
0: The other thing is, listen, Otto actually isn't lying or entirely wrong about what he's telling Viserys. But the fact that Viserys like doesn't seem to immediately believe him, accuses him of spying, lying, and trying to get his blood on the throne. A plus plus, Viserys. Yeah. Because yeah, obviously yeah. Otto is only sharing this information to make Rhaenyra look bad because he wants his blood egg in the second. On the throne so the fact that he's not actually entirely wrong that they were canoodling
2: <laughs> they were canoodling they weren't yeah. coupling
0: okay i mean they would have been
2: it was a hot and heavy canoodle <laughs> yeah. yeah i i also have to i just okay disclaimer i am not promoting the idea of incest it's not a good idea having said that like Viserys knows that his mom and dad were brother and sister, right? Why is he like so? I'm like, well, is it just because Damon's Damon? Is it because he's dangerous? And if he, if he gets to be the next king, he's going to be even more dangerous. It's it's weird because Viserys clearly loves both his brother and his daughter. He just can't get them to do what he thinks is the right thing to do.
0: I think it's that. I think it's also the age thing, too, because, I mean, Renair is still a teenager. Damon is quite a bit older and between his knowledge that Damon would be bad if yeah. he had, like, so much more power than he does, and then also that's his little girl and no, his brother, yeah, you know, like, it. if Rhaenyra and Aegon Second were closer in age, I think Viserys would be more open to the idea of them being together than yeah. he is, but in this case, it, there's, like, so many different factors, there's Damon and his personality, there's the age difference, there's uncle and... Niece versus cousins or brother and sister, which honestly, it's all gross. Well, right? that's true. But but the they are Targaryens. Yeah. We're
2: known to wed uncle to niece, if I may quote, I think from Fire and Blood, or at least snippet or paraphrase or something. But yeah, it's also like, I don't think the series has a leg to stand on as far as age differences go. <clears throat> it's like, uh, this is. This but is when little... he
0: does it, it's okay. But this is his <laughs> daughter, okay? <laughs> I get
2: it. I get it. I'm just oh, I'm being just... sarcastic. No, like, I know you're right. Know, he has no leg like... to stand on, but also you know, <laughs> like it's... and you started dating your daughter's best friend, man. What's that? What's that about? Good old Otto. Good, Good old Otto, Otto Hightower, just in yep. there scheming and sliming,
0: slugging along.
2: Yep, yep, yep. He's not lying, but the person who originally brings him the message can only say with certainty that he saw them go into a brothel. And then he saw Damon leave and then he saw Rhaenyra go after him. That's all that kid can say. So yeah. Otto was like, mm-hmm, I smell his story. And then yeah. went down there and, and interviewed more people and has presented this in the worst light possible because you know that the interview went something like, "Oh yeah, they were coupling, they were coupling over there in the shadows," and somebody's like, "Oh, I don't know, I didn't see them at all. They might have been coupling, and they might just have been, you know, making out. I can't tell, you know, <laughs> like a whole bunch of that." And he was when that's those are my flea bottom accents, <laughs> and Otto went with the
0: worst possible interpretation. First of all, all those people were way too busy enjoying themselves. <laughs> Yeah, I was also
2: like, is it it standard to have an orgy room in a brothel? Because I would, if I were ever to patronize such an establishment, I would feel a little uncomfortable. Thank you.
0: I will say this much. Having watched the after the show thing and watched the episode twice, I think they did a really good job of showing that experience from Rhaenyra's point of view, like from the female gaze point of view. Because when I was watching the brothel scenes in Game of Thrones, it was always like, oh, for fuck's sake. Right. Like they're yeah. just putting this on television to be like, ha, 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 look, we got tits and boobs. And I'm saying tits and boobs as if they're separate things on purpose. Like <laughs> they were trying so hard and it was awful pretty much every single time. I think really every single time. God, the scene with Roz and and the other sex worker. This, did you, you yes I actually, get, I don't know if I did. It, I probably it, did a million years I'm ago. I'm
2: sorry to interrupt you. It was just, it was just this one with, I think, Andy Samberg was still on the show and George R. R. Martin is like, we have this guy. He's the he's the most amazing writer I've ever seen. And Andy Samberg's just like, yeah, I just said, put a bunch of boobs on there. And then he's like, (laughs) and for our next episode. And then he just makes a scissoring motion with his hands. And they go back to George and George is like,
0: I'm blown away anyway. But yeah, watching it twice and also watching the after the episode thing, but even watching it the first time, I didn't feel that weird, like uncomfortable, like what the fuck am I watching and why, you know, I felt like, is this necessarily something I would choose to watch on a regular basis? No. But I felt like they did a really good job showing it from Rainier's perspective from the female gaze. It didn't feel overly sexualized, which is weird considering what it was, but it really didn't feel that way. You know, what I thought
2: they did a good job of capturing was viewing it from her age and experience point of view. It was just like all of these people are doing this thing that I've never done, but I've heard about. And you know what? I'm kind of into it yeah a little but again not in a way that was like let's have roz and the other sex worker learn how to be sapphic with each other (laughs) while taught by a man
0: right she seemed kind of awkwardly amused and also into it which i'm pretty sure is the same way i felt the first time i watched something like that on television yeah
1: i think that with that scene they did a much like it felt more just like an atmospheric thing this is what's Mm -hmm. going on I've been to a lot of weird clubs back in the day and like there was weird shit always going on. And like, so that scene, like I totally related to it because I was a kid, I was young, you know, 15 years old and seeing like all this weird stuff going on and I was like, and I totally related to that scene and I thought they did a great job because when they first did the whorehouse scene like in the first episode, it was like, here we go, classic Game of Thrones, man. just Titties and boobs everywhere, right? But with this one, it was different. It was definitely more, like, atmospheric. Like, it was just putting you in an environment as opposed to just being, like, gratuitous, you know? Yeah. So I thought they did great with that.
0: I will say that even with the earlier brothel scene, while you're right, it seemed very gratuitous, it still felt like it was telling a story. It wasn't just Peter Baelish sitting there watching two girls fuck each other. You know what I mean? Like, they were telling a story. This is Damon throwing a party for his bros. And it Was gratuitous, but not in the way that Game of Thrones always seemed to be in their brothel scenes. But yes, again, this one just seemed, I I don't know, I can't believe I'm saying this about a a Game (laughs) of Thrones style show. Knowing that they tried, they actually did try really hard to have it be like from a female perspective and... Constantly showing Reneira like the looks on her faces and everything. I just honestly I have no complaints.
2: Yeah. I just felt uncomfortable in the way I feel uncomfortable whenever I see that sort of thing, not by choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, oh I
2: oh, um am I in the wrong place? You know, like that yeah. sort of yeah.
0: Listen, I'm just glad my stepkid didn't come to us <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Do we have a quick minute to mention the other awkward sex scene in the show? Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Quick aside, Seth quick has aside. another awkward sex scene to mention.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 the Viserys and Alicent scene. Oh, where God. Yeah. She's <clears throat> lying back and thinking of Westeros. And all I can think of is he must smell like gangrene. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, and I think that they showed that happening right before they showed the brothel scene, pretty yeah, much. I mean, there was there were is. a couple of minor things that happened in between, but they were almost back to back. I believe that that was on purpose. Yeah. That they were showing, like, here's Allison hating her life, bump, 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 and gross. And then here's Rhaenyra yeah. actually yeah. learning about things, enjoying herself, maybe.
2: Yeah, yep. I did a quick look up of what everybody thinks Viserys' uh, Viserys' disease is, and nobody can really nobody can really decide.
0: What I'm thinking is MRSA.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, I guess it could be. I mean, as long as we're singing about people's ailments, my first thought was leprosy.
0: Yeah, all my skin is
2: falling <laughs> off of me. I'm not half the man I used to be. Okay, um, but. <laughs> I looked it up and there was something like gas gangrene where the gangrene gets trapped in your tissues or whatever. Anyway, it's just gross and he needs better doctors than the maesters.
0: Yeah. Yes. I was guessing like a MRSA type thing. Cause it seems very painful. Yeah. And also if you don't have proper antibiotics to treat MRSA, which is basically a staph infection yeah. from an injury, then it could turn into this. So that was my thought on to hot take number five. Speaking of Allison, Rhaenyra plus Alicent. So I really loved the back and forth between them in this episode. There were two separate situations earlier when Rhaenyra kind of stuck up for Alicent when Viserys was basically like putting her down and making fun of her for being like oh like damon maybe you want to see the new tapestries that were gifted to us <laughs> So it's like she doesn't want to see those tapestries dumbass huh. and ranera's like oh, i want to see them and right after that they have their kind of awkward she used to be ranera's best friend and now she's her stepmom so like you know best stepchild friend they've been at odds for a long while but it seems like some of that has been rectified and Allison is kind of like, oh, it must be nice to have all these, like, lords fawning over you. And was like, oh, yes, it's so romantic to get imprisoned in a castle and made to squeeze out heirs. And then she realizes that's exactly what happened to Allison. <laughs> like, She's like, yep. sorry. like uh, sorry. Sorry. And then they've they missed each other. And it's like, oh. Yeah. And then um, later, of course, Allison comes to Rhaenyra and confronts her about good old Otto's accusations. And even though she's kind of accusing her, it does seem like it's with good intent. She she wants Rhaenyra to say it's a lie, which Rhaenyra kind of does. Yeah. And either way, as upset as Rhaenyra was that Alicent was kind of accusing her, it was good of Alicent to go to Rhaenyra and not just automatically assume it was true. And also, yeah. you know, in the end to try to give her advice. So there's a lot of Reneer and Allison in this episode to cover. I know those are two entirely separate scenes, but I but felt like there was a lot of really good stuff there to unpack.
1: I thought the scene was like great. And I was really glad that they just kind of hit that point where they broke the ice and just kind of admitted that they missed each other and all that kind of stuff. It, it definitely brought <clears throat> a little humanity to, to like their situation, you know, and I thought I thought it was
2: great i liked it you know i've listened to the earlier episodes and do i think there are hints of something that are more than friendship between rhaenyra and allison and my thought about that is they are two young women uh who were not that long ago were young girls who were brought up in this palace they had probably no close friends but each other and They were hitting that age. I mean, sure. I I would not be surprised if there was some sort of a crush, which also might be a good reason for Rhaenyra to take it as hard as she did. Not that it's not gross and off-putting when your best friend becomes your stepmom, but if it's also your best friend you have a crush on who becomes your stepmom, then you might get really peeved.
0: Mm -hmm. The way I saw it, from the earlier episodes was that the crush was definitely more on Rhaenyra's part than Allison's. Yeah. But again, like you said, they grew up in the red keep kind of together for the most part together. We don't really know exactly. Cause yeah. it, this is a, th- their ages are different than yeah. they were in fire and blood. So, but when you have like ladies in waiting, you often share beds with them and whatnot and i'm not saying that anything actually happened between them but they could have like played a kissing played a little come into my castle type of games like let's teach each other how to kiss whatever
2: no. and yeah
0: i do think that it was more on Ranira's part than allison's if there was a crush
2: uh, yeah i i would say that in that case yes the crush might have been more on raniere's part but allison let's call her a one on the kinsey scale and we'll move Ranira a couple of other clicks toward toward the other side you know Yeah. The second scene, I do like the idea that Allison is like, okay, I got to take off my friend hat and put on my mom hat right now. I got my mom hat on. Mom hat. There is accusation, but it's accusation in the sense of, I cannot believe that you did this. If you did, how could you? Tell me it's not true, please, because mm-hmm. this is so bad. And I honestly think Rhaenyra gets that at some point, that she gets that Allison is angry at accusing her, not because she's coming after Rhaenyra, but because she cannot believe that this might have happened. Yeah.
0: As someone with a stepkid who is a teenager who I often talk to and treat as a friend. I often am in that sort of conversation with my teenage step kid, where I am the friend, right? But every once in a while, yeah, you got to put that mom hat on. And he does not like when I do have to put that mom hat on. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm as kind as I can be about it, but it's like, all right, kid. Listen, you got to just chill out a little bit. I get it. Obviously, there's a huge age difference and not some weird like Dean married somebody who's like two years older than this. child. <laughs> <laughs> I am old enough to be both of my stepkids' parents biologically legally and all in all ways but I do understand that in a weird way so I think that Rhaenyra has gotten over the crush part but that doesn't necessarily mean that she doesn't miss her friend right
2: yeah 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 I mean and to have your friend who's your stepmom come up and be like did you sleep with your uncle yeah Yeah. what What did did you do do? yeah (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I I do like the part that she was like, both the king and I have worked to try to get you a marriage. It's not just your dad. It's me. I was trying to help you
1: wearing like the, the like mom hat. I've been in that situation also, you know, because like my son is 20 years old. You know, so there's times when he connects and you know and opens up and it's just like the friend. You're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. You know, and then he then he does something stupid or says something stupid and it's like, all right, dude, look, the dad hat goes on and I'm like, this is you can't do that. But again, there's a 25 year age difference there as opposed to you know if he was only like two years younger than me, that'd
2: be a problem. <laughs> so you know what? I know we're not gonna get it. We shouldn't get it. It would be a completely different show if we did. But if there was a a scene where Manira just screamed, "You're not my mom!" at Allison oh yeah oh
0: yeah oh yeah i mean you say you know we're not gonna get it we might not get those exact words but (laughs) But it might happen on to hot take number six and this is i think seth's sort of exact words damon is now on double secret probation
2: oh (laughs) those crazy kids Honestly, ugh, Uh,
0: at him blowing uh, Rhaenyra's cover and also being dishonest about it, kind of. Not actually telling the truth about what actually happened and then being all, just marry her to me. You're already married, dude, get over it. But, so he's on double secret probation because he was told to go back to his wife and instead he went to the Stepstones. And now he's just in real damn trouble. And also just his pathetic-ass self lying on the floor of the (laughs) throne room. yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, he uh, he had way too much wine. But...
0: <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story. Years and years and years ago, maybe or maybe not before I was 21, I had a insane night of drinking with my best friend. And I woke up the next morning. We both slept on the couches in her living room. It was her living room. She had a bedroom. We both just PTF would on the couches, right? And I literally rolled off the couch and like dragged myself across the floor to pick up <laughs> telephone but the actual house telephone because my cell phone was dead because this was like circa 2002 right so I had a cell phone but it wasn't you know I rolled off the couch dragged myself across the floor to pick up the telephone to check my voicemail on my cell phone and she was like what is wrong with you and I was like I'm never drinking again (laughs) obviously that did not take root but
2: yeah, D- Damon is... Heavy. Damon should have had that potion. I'm surprised he has the wits to lie and... Because it seems like he should just be like, uh... I feel like it's just
1: in his nature, man. The fact that he just sits there and just doesn't... He knows it didn't happen, but he's just not denying it. He's almost making okay. it sound like it did happen. Yeah. You know, like he's clearly just fucking with him at this point. You know, he's just yeah. like... No, what are you talking about? Just marry her off to me, you know, like kind of insinuating that. Yeah, yeah, we of course we did something like that's what that's how it came off to me, you know. So honestly, that Damon walking into this show, not crazy about it. And as these episodes go, I'm really starting to like like him like in a bad way, you know, where it's like, yeah, oh, I know because yeah. he's, he's like a bad guy. But I like the way he thinks. I've been in situations where people have accused me of stuff. And you know what? I didn't deny it. I didn't do it. But I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? Why am I going to give you the pleasure? Or like, let you? why am I going to let you sleep your head on your pillow comfortably tonight when I can really keep this going? Really just make you think about this. Nothing happened, but you don't know that. So honestly, I unfortunately connected with this scene, too. And I was (laughs) like, you know what?
2: I like it. I thought it was good. Well, and Damon is going to. Pop the collar on his leather jacket and get on his motorcycle and ride into the the eerie.
0: Pop the collar on his doublet. Hop onto his windy boy and fly Fly over. Fly away.
2: (laughs) Fly away. His studded doublet. He's definitely being set up as the kind of you know who he is. You love to hate him a little bit, but still, there's that. Oh, what could this bad boy get away with?
1: I mean, you got to have some balls to like say something like that and not, you know, this is what his second time that he's already in trouble. It's like, I would think this is one of those situations where I probably would have just been honest about what happened because I felt like, well, if I keep messing with this guy who, you know, is the king, he's probably going to take my head at this point, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I have a little bit of balls for that one.
2: Yeah. I think Damon has a really good sense of just about how far he can push his brother. I don't think that sense is going to necessarily be accurate in the next episode. I think that Viserys in this episode seems much closer to doing something really drastic than he would have, say, in episode one. But I think for right now, Damon has a really good sense of just about how far he could push his brother
0: before he gets into real trouble. Do we think he's going to obey his double secret probation? (laughs)
2: uh i mean he's he's Damon. like he's probably gonna like fly partially to the eerie and then i don't know
1: i honestly think he he is gonna obey it right because he's already done his damage right by not being honest with the king the second time and he's gonna milk that he's gonna love that you know like and just be like yeah i'll just go back and when i have another opportunity to like fuck with you more then
2: i'll come back yeah i just love the idea that people are gonna be like did you sleep with the princess and he's gonna be like hey i'm not saying i did but i'm not saying i didn't
0: exactly i mean also he doesn't want to admit that he's impotent ever if if that is (laughs) if that is the case
2: i mean again i'm i'm not working on very much information but i don't think it's completely wild that theory (laughs) since i have read fire and blood even though it's been a while i know the shape of what's going to happen i know i know who damon is and what he becomes and what he does but yeah right now we just have his brother the nice guy just trying to king it up king style and david keeps getting in the way of that i honestly don't know that damon actually wants to be king he's much happier being where he is right now where he could cause just about as much trouble as he wants and get away with it and continue to do it yeah
1: Yeah, i felt like there might have been a time when he wanted to be king or he felt like he should have been king but i think that now he's just really enjoying fucking with this guy that he's just like nah, i I don't want to be king i want to keep doing this you know this is what i want to keep doing
2: i would love to see an alternate universe where damon becomes king and just hates it and spends his entire day with his face in his hand leaning against the iron throne as much as one can lean against the iron throne with his crown cocked sideways on his head listening to petitioners (laughs)
0: Now we are on to our final official hot take, hot take number seven. The Song of Ice and Fire is written on Aegon's dagger, only revealed by flame. So Viserys tells Venera it was written by the last of the Valerian, a.k.a. true pyromancers, before Aegon's death. He's got the dagger sitting in this brazier of hot coals, and she pulls it out. It's white hot, and you can see that there's writing on it and yeah so it turns out that it was written down somewhere because we've talked about that in previous episodes and we were kind of like so it had to have been written down at some point because clearly the spoken word passed down from the king to the heir the king to the heir etc cetera, etc cetera, was lost at some point i'm going to guess that this is actually the point where it was lost because Um, Rhaenyra is the one who knows about it. But we don't know for sure. But all I could think was, holy shit, is this what Rhaegar read? We have to assume that it is, right? We know that Rhaegar read the prophecy somewhere and that it was very vague i suppose there could be a more detailed written account because he has such an obsession with the ice portion of the song of ice and fire but i'm on the track where rhaegar ended up with this dagger and somehow it ended up ended fiery up- hot and hmm. he was like oh what is what <laughs> X- xoxo a <laughs> <Yeah. A-Gun's> dagger
2: <laughs> <laughs> and of course as it says on the dagger in uh high valerian ash does the ball to look ash that's... oh i'm sorry no that's another thing that has writing when you put it in the fire <laughs> to make a break with the the insinuation i just made it is common practice for like if you ever did writing in lemon juice if you ever did that with your friends the way to get that to show up is to put the paper in front of a candle and the heat reveals what you did in the lemon juice so this is not like unheard of for heat to reveal secret messages but the fact that it's on a dagger and as we know if we've watched game of thrones it is that very same dagger that puts an end to all the menace from the north that adds another element i think the idea that the prophecy of ice and fire is what kills the white walkers in the end like the actual physical presence of the prophecy is what does it that's very interesting to me
0: well we know that valyrian steel can kill them. Period. Right. Yes. But I yes the 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 fact that in the end the prophecy written on the dagger does kind of come true, just not in the way Rhaegar interpreted it. Is... Yeah.
2: I mean, assuming that part of the book is the same as that part of the show, because because who knows? Because it also uh, honestly calls the rest of the prophecy into question. It's it's not Jon Snow that does it. It's not Daenerys who does it. It's Arya, yeah. who is not a union of ice and fire at all. But she does have the prophecy that is or that calls for the union of ice and fire with her.
0: We've talked about this in previous episodes where prophecy is it's a mess, right? Like it's interpretation. It's whether or not people repeat it, right? Like repeating it could make it come true, etc. So I really zeroed in on the fact that it was written on this dagger that we know makes it through to the end in the show anyway, And the fact that Martin is so involved in House of the Dragon and probably okayed this specifically. I don't even know what else to say about that other than now I have—I feel like I have to believe that that's where Rhaegar found out about the prophecy. Because the spoken word was very clearly lost at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't think anybody wrote it down or anything like that? Like at some point? I mean, yes. And that's what we've talked about before. Absolutely. Mm. Somebody could have written the whole thing down. Yeah. But then they very specifically have... It written on the dagger, and yeah, it's so true. and it's so vague that it would be super easy to misinterpret.
2: Although this does bring something into question for me, and that is why keep it as close to the vest as you are keeping it. Like at the very least, at the very least, I'd be telling all the Targaryens, I'd be like, look. Folks, I got to tell you, Aegon had a dream. Uh, There's a prophecy on this dagger. We all got to be alert. We don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to happen, but everybody needs to know, you know? And like, if it gets out to the wider realm, of course, there are going to be people who go like, oh, I don't believe a prophecy written on a dagger. What's that? It's like, you know, it just seems like this is the kind of thing where the more people who know what's kind of happening the better off you might be
0: but they don't want to scare people right they don't want to scare people about the full prophecy about the whole like the cold winds coming from the north and everything and honestly with xoxo good old auto gossip girl over here like <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and and god knows how many others there are in the kingdom who are like him i get why they would keep it close to the bosom
2: <laughs> for just a second i want to mention a couple of other series because uh, one of the things is is what's interesting to me is that the really important prophecy in this show, the one that Rhaegar read, is so vague and interpreted in so many ways that we can't be sure who's right, what's right, what's going on. A relatively unimportant prophecy, the one Cersei gets, is absolutely correct in all of its particulars, but we have that one from the source and we have it, even though it's it, Cersei's recalling it, we basically have it as it was said, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's not a whole lot of chance for it to go through generations of people trying to figure out what's going on. It's just her thinking she knows the answer going through the books. But I was just going to mention a couple of other series because of the way prophecy is treated in them. In David and Lee Edding's Bulgarian and Malorian, which I can't fully recommend for a number of reasons, but I can't although they do get a shout out in this book there's a there's a house house deadings prophecy is actually a character there are actually two opposing prophecies that are both uh, battling to see who gets to come true and they are they have lines and interact with the other characters in the book which is interesting to look at and then this is a bit of a spoiler if you haven't read brandon sanderson's mistborn but in that one they're like well the prophecy keeps coming true exactly as it was said and then somebody goes back and finds out well, yeah that's because every so often the prophecy gets changed to match what happens and it's it's just interesting in the way that in these books obviously martin doesn't have prophecies a character but he's doing both he has a, one prophecy which we know is absolutely going to come true as it was said and there's another one that's like well we have no idea we can make we can make so many arguments for so many different things it doesn't it's almost no good
1: so my my opinion like about like the dagger and like prophecy I- i'm going to be completely honest with you the second someone says prophecy and anything, I just, I just glaze over. I'm just like, dude, I, I grew up in like, you know, church where everyone likes to do prophecies about everything, and it would just always came out as hokey and whatever. So, if, if I would have lived in that time and somebody would have showed me that dagger and been like, look, the prophecy, if I, I'd have been like, all right, pal, whatever. You know, I would have been the guy who had the house right by the wall and got killed first because I just didn't listen. So when it comes to like that kind of stuff, honestly, it just kind of right over my head i'm just like okay so you put the dagger in there and it made it hot and now it's got words on
2: it okay so manny are you saying you you would have been a prophecy denier mm-hmm. y- you would have yes. been like well that, that's- <laughs> yes. Oh, there's no, yes such yeah, thing as white walkers absolutely oh, they don't because, exist
1: yeah no because my thing <laughs> is i either i'm either i'm right or i'm dead and if i'm dead <laughs> i don't care so whatever you know has nothing to do with me that that you guys can worry about about prophecy and stuff okay because if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen what does it fucking matter what am i gonna do prepare for it you know whatever the white walkers are gonna come and they're gonna turn me dead and they're gonna bring you back to life again you know as, as one of them so whatever
0: yeah and i think that's kind of like in this case like how do you possibly prepare for it you don't know when it's going to happen all you know is that supposedly A Targaryen needs to be seated on the Iron Throne when the cold white north invades the whole world or whatever. So, yeah, the fact that it's written on the dagger to me was more just like it's not like, a oh, this makes it true or anything. It's it was just, oh, this makes it very possibly the thing that Rhaegar read. And honestly, possibly by mistake or probably by mistake, like assuming that it was never written anywhere else. Again, that could change before the end of the series, even where Viserys passes it on to somebody else before he dies or Renera knows about it and insists that somebody write it down. Obviously, we can't know for sure, but I don't think that's the route that they're going. They're making this dagger and the fact that the prophecy is written on it very important. And that's where I'm at with
1: it. So I kind of see it two ways, right? Because they could say technically if it would have been today and this would have been Earth, right? Like the Targaryens would have easily have said, look, here's the prophecy and we're going to save you, right? We're, we're, you know, my group is going to save you because we're the ones with the actual dragons." So, you know, of course they would use that. However... Maybe it being Viserys, who's like a you know he's trying to be more of a, of a humble type of king, he might say, "I don't want to reveal this to them because maybe somebody's going to try to use this to make that argument and then make us look like we're just trying to be powerful, like dictators." You know, it's like back in the sixteen hundreds, like King James, when they tried to like deify themselves, right? Like um, oh, but we're gods, you know, and maybe he was divine like, right to rule. Yeah. yeah, like like maybe he was trying to avoid that to say, well, look, I don't want to put this out there because then people are going to think that you know we're trying to deify ourselves. That's not the kind of king I am.
2: I was just thinking of this right now, and sorry to take so long. And what was a relatively short hot take? I mean, literal <laughs> hot take, really. Uh, the prophecy is a hot take, I guess. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But it also raises some interesting questions about the presence of the Targaryen presence in Westeros to begin with. Like, how old is this prophecy? It looks like it was pre Doom of Valeria, and it might explain why the Targaryens wound up in Westeros rather than going somewhere easier to get to in Essos, right? And as I recall, it's not like they were a leading house in Valeria. They were noble and they were highly ranked, but it wasn't like they were in charge. So yeah, and I, I guess they got it and they're like, well, I, I guess we know where we have to go.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, and maybe we'll find out more about that, because apparently this season is all about revealing more about this prophecy that nobody really asked for more yeah. information. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I honestly am upset that we're not getting the Doom of Valeria show, because I wanted to see more about Valeria. But anyway.
1: Yeah, that, that actually interests me. When they talked about that, I was like, wow, actually, that, that would have been a good show.
2: Maybe you yeah, should have done that one first and then did this one. <laughs> and Valeria is totally not Melnibone.
0: <laughs>
2: it's totally not. Just because both places are sort of weird islands that have a not quite human race that controls dragons. And be, okay, never mind. I'm good. <laughs> I won't draw any more <laughs> parallels between the Elric series and this series, Brendan Rivers. I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything by that. <laughs> okay.
0: Well... Last but not least, and we don't really even need to discuss this. This is just my quick honorable mention of something that I had in the hot takes list and cut out but still want to talk about. That ship loved that dragon figurehead, but also that little enclosure on it that was mentioned briefly in the summary. It's, It looked like the fucking mobile igloo, but just like <laughs> an enclosure on the ship. Why is this show so in love with that look? Dude. I hate it so much.
1: Whose architecture is that? It's like, why are you doing this?
2: (laughs) Maybe it was just the style of the times. Maybe they had like one carpenter and he built the wagon and they called him in to advise on the cabin on the ship. And they're like, well, you know, just like the wagon yeah it's, it's it's a good design i'll like keep using eagle. it
0: make it all gray and fake looking like i'm yeah. sorry but it's so it's so bad why do they keep doing it? however honorable honorable mention to windy boy caraxes for just sideswiping the whole ship oh, yeah. like I, I wrote in the summary i feel like he just he hates it as much as i do I have to. <laughs> Time for our favorites roundup.
2: I'm sorry to do this because I'm sure at least one of them is going to be somebody else's favorite. But the Allison Raniera accusation scene, which honestly, now that I think about it, has sort of they're not the same scenes, but it's got big confrontation from Les Mis vibes where you've got these two people who are absolutely convinced that what they are saying right now is the correct thing to say and they're sort of or they're not really listening to the other person but there was uh, i thought that was good and i also like good old auto getting unhanded <laughs> I, talk
0: to the hand yeah, talk to yeah. the oh, hand oh you're That's not it not, no
2: no not it I, and that's just because I just I realized that this is going to cause serious problems not in the not too distant future. I did love seeing him getting taken down a peg. Yeah,
0: I'm just gonna piggyback on you. That was my favorite. Like it was it was hard to choose honestly, but in the end, it had to be. Especially after I watched the episode a second time, it had to be Viserys confronting good old Otto and firing him for being like just taking that pin and being like. Yeah. Mm. You've served some kings well, but not me, motherfucker.
1: Yeah. Um, And it kind of ended a little better than I thought it would have gone, you know, which kind of like is is a testimony to his style of kingship, right? Like he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to you're just going to retire right now, as opposed to what I would have felt would have happened. And, you know, in the actual Game of Thrones show at some point was like, yeah, I'm going to take away your hand
2: and then your actual head. I thought it was good. Also, pointless historical note. Balin apparently died the same way William II of England did. Mm. Yeah, William II of England was apparently kind of a heavy guy and he was riding out to hunt and he hit his uh, saddle horn a little bit too hard with his midsection and something ruptured.
0: I mean, George is so good about bringing in historical references.
2: I love the fact that he was like, well, I'm going to do War of the Roses in a fantasy world, but also I'm going to make the anarchy a big part of their history. Because if you if you walked up even to relatively interested scholars of English history and were like, hey, uh, what's what's the anarchy about? A lot of them are going to go, huh? (laughs) Like not like actual college level scholarship, but people who are just interested. Not necessarily a lot of a whole lot of people are going to know about the anarchy. I think my favorite scene really is.
1: It was kind of tough because this episode was like a good episode. You know, like it was like a nice, well-balanced episode you know there wasn't anything that was too crazy and there wasn't anything that was too i mean it had a lot of different things but it was relatively just kind of like a normal well-paced episode right but honestly my favorite was really Rhaenyra breaking free with Damon and going to the town and like watching the play that's like kind of mocking her and like she doesn't she just kind of accepts it as like um okay yeah sure like great i mean can you imagine if that would have been like joffrey or something you know like so she does just kind of cool. them a little bit <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I liked that. I really enjoyed (laughs) it. She like got into it. I was like, okay, cool, cool. You know? So honestly, like that scene and like leading right up into our uh, friend of a coleslaw over there, you know, like just leading right up like that entire like little night journey, like I felt was like really cool. And there was something about it that just felt like really real, like about like for her character. I think that whole... Sequence, I think, was probably my favorite.
0: Yeah, again, it was hard for me to choose like one favorite thing, but again, after watching it a second time, I was like, nope, it's got to be unhanding good old Otto.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, (gasps) it was definitely the runner-up for me, right there.
2: Yeah, yeah, I am looking forward to the rest of this series i am interested to see what they're going to do with the storyline and what they're going to do with the characters and i i will say that i have a medium strong impulse to pull down Fire and Blood and just be like, well, what did Mushroom say? What did Mushroom say happened? What's happening? But I'm probably not going to do that because I'm sure it's going to annoy my wife.
0: Yeah, I I (laughs) reread Fire and Blood very recently, just a couple months ago. So, And for anybody who's listening who hasn't read the books, Fire and Blood is essentially an historical text that is told from the point of a maester who also inserts all of these, well, Mushroom says this because Mushroom was a fool in the court very particularly during this time period, during yeah. the House of the Dragon show time period. So he had some very salacious takes on certain things that happened, but they weren't necessarily wrong. So it's, uh yeah, it's definitely interesting to see that there, so far there is no mushroom, but we are getting some mushroom takes.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he's going to pop up, so to speak.
0: I feel like that's something we need to add, is just like at the end a mushroom take. where's mushroom
2: Mushroom take
0: (laughs) the only reason i wouldn't is because manny hasn't read hasn't read the book so like wouldn't understand what a mushroom take is no no but i'm
1: I'm all in for it i will say this look look for all of you book readers out there who've read all these books i want to give a personal thank you because you guys have never been one to just get on the internet and start spewing garbage or at least not on, on my facebook feed about it like when even when game of thrones was on Cause I, all my friends read the books and then they wouldn't, they would never talk about it. It was like some kind of secret society thing. Like no one would ever discuss it. And I'm just like, right. Hey, what uh, part of the book are you reading? Or like, whatever they would stop and be like, what episode are you on? And I'm yeah. like, Oh, I'm on this. They're like, okay, yeah, no, we're not going to talk about it. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you great. You know so g- getting to like experience like this show, not knowing any, cause I knew little bits of the other stuff, but this one, like knowing nothing. Yeah. you know i mean it's really good so i get to get it like really fresh so at least that way i can only be disappointed by the actual like development and direction of the show and maybe some of the story but when you read a book and you get attached to a book and then you watch it go to like television nine out of ten times you get pretty disappointed I'm kind of glad that i get to skip that
2: do you want to know why no one would tell you what was going on why it, it was primarily the red wedding i remember i was on a yeah. um an internet forum And one of the more excitable members of the forum started reading Song of Ice and Fire and all the rest of us went, yes, where Mm -hmm. are you in the books? That's yeah. (laughs) And we all figured out about when he was going to get to that chapter. So we all got online and waited for him.
1: And that's what was great about talking to the people who were like, because I just watched the shows, you know, so they were just like what episode are you on? They're like, have you gotten to the place where they get to this land yet? You know? And I'm like, no. They're like, okay, we'll talk later. Okay. I'm not going to
2: tell you anything. No, We we want your raw, unvarnished reaction to this horrible, horrible thing that caused us all to throw the book against the wall.
0: Yeah. As somebody who was spoiled for the Red Wedding. Yes. Uh (laughs) I made the mistake of looking up something about Catelyn when Mm. I was like two chapters away from the Red Wedding. Oh, no. Way back in the day. Yeah. Well, on that note, don't do that, folks. If you haven't read the books and don't want to be spoiled, don't do the thing. As we close out the episode, just want to give a shout out to our Heroes Tier patron, Tommy of the TKOK Podcast Network. Thanks so much for supporting us. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for Hot D Takes. Manny and I will be back next week with a new guest to cover House of the Dragon's fifth episode, We Light the Way. Thank you for listening to the Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out other Geek Saga entertainment endeavors, including the Sagas and Sass webcast and podcast and Ice and Fire Con.